that's out of the way. Ready for me to hit? Ready for me to hit the button? Yes. Okay. Want to hit this X? That it's uh, that one's ready. Yeah, just hit the X when just when we're time to when we're ready to stop. Okay. Yeah. Good. I think after a year we wouldn't forget that. <laughs> Good morning. It's a beautiful morning, and we are starting in chap chapter 13 of the book of Acts. This is a rather long reading, so I'm going to be moving rather rapidly through it. And this is a, a very interesting chapter, and it tells about the missionary journey of Saul and Barnabas as the first missionary journey that Paul went on. Now there were in the church that was at Antioch certain prophets and teachers as Barnabas and Simeon that was called Niger and Lucius of Cyrene and of Manaen which had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch and Saul. These were the leaders in the church. It's interesting that Herod, the Tetrarch's half-brother, was one of the leaders in the church. And Herod was the one who, in, in last week's uh, Sunday school class, was killed by God for not giving the glory to God. And, and yet his brother was here as a leader in the church. As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work whereunto I have called them. So they were praying and fasting and serving the Lord, ministering in the Lord's service. And they were... These were the dedicated men here that were praying and fasting. And the Holy Ghost said, separate to me. God said, separate to me, Saul and Barnabas, uh, to the work whereunto I have called them. So he had already called Saul and Barnabas. He said, I want you as the leaders to separate these two men for a service that I've already called them to. And when they had fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them, they sent them away. So this was an immediate thing. The, the Holy Spirit says, separate these two men to me. And they, they prayed and confirmed the, this. They prayed and fasted yet more and confirmed that this is what God wanted. And then he, they laid hands on them, they, they gave them their, their blessing, and sent them away to do God's bidding. <clears throat> Verse 4, so they, so they, being sent forth by the Holy Ghost, departed unto Seleucia, and from thence they sailed to Cyprus. Now, Seleucia was maybe 10, 15 miles away towards the coast. 
of the Mediterranean is just go down there, get, a, get on a boat, and go out there to the island of Cyprus. Now, Cyprus is a pretty good-sized island in the Mediterranean. And verse 5 says, And when they were at, Sal at Salmas, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they had also John to their minister. So John Mark went with them. And he was there to help them in the ministry. And Salmas is on the eastern end of this island. The island runs kind of diagonally across the Mediterranean on a 45 degree angle. And Salmas is on the northeastern end of the island. And so they went there to Salmas and they went to the synagogues of the Jews because that's what God sent them to first. Now, and when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Interesting that his name was the son of Jesus. But this man was on the opposite end of the island from where they started. They'd preached all down through that island. I don't know how long the island is, maybe 15 miles long, some, maybe a little more than that. I don't, I'm not sure. But it says, and when they had gone through the isle unto Paphos, so they started at Salmas at one end and went to Paphos at the other end. And they found this sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, which was with the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. This deputy was a person who was deputized by, the, by Caesar to rule over this island. And this, this magician, this uh, Bar-Jesus, or Elimus as his name also is, was a sorcerer. And he didn't want the Sergius Paulus, this wise man who was evidently had befriended him or allowed him, he was, they were friends of, and, or good acquaintances there on the island. But this Elimus didn't want the, the deputy to have anything to do with Christianity. But, but he, being a wise man, desired to hear the word of God. What's interesting about this is that he desired not... A, when it says the word of God, this is an, the word word is an interesting word in the Greek. It conveys more than just the idea, like in, in Spanish it's palabra, is a word. But in the Greek it conveys the carrying of a message. It's not just a word, it's the message that's important. The message of what that word means, what the, the words you use 
imply, what they mean. And so this word logos in the Greek is the, the message of God. It is the message. They, he wanted to hear this message that Saul and Barnabas had, had to say. But Elimus the sorcerer, for so his name by interpretation is so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. So he was arguing against the deputy receiving the faith of Jesus Christ. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him. Uh, he, he looked him right in the eye and said, Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief, thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, wilt thou not cease to per pervert the right ways of the Lord? He, now, remember, this man was a Jew but he was also a sorcerer. And Paul looked, at, looked him in the eye and he says, you're a wicked, wicked person. You're doing bad things. You're perverting the righteousness. You're the enemy of all righteousness to pervert the right ways of the Lord. What an accusation. A terrible thing. He went on and he says, and now, Behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season. And immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. He became blind instantly, right then and there. He's, he said, for a season, he said, it's for a time. But he was struck blind right then and there, right then the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, being astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. Now, whether he was astonished at what had happened here or whether he was astonished at the preaching and the teaching of Jesus Christ and what was taught isn't said here, but he was impressed. Let's say that was obvious. And the deputy, when he saw what was done, believed, believing, astonished at the doctrine of the Lord. But he became a believer. And he wanted to hear that word to begin with. <clears throat> now when Paul and his company loosed from Paphos, they came to Perga in Pamphylia, and John, departing from them, returned to Jerusalem. So... Paul and those who were with him went north from the island. They left the island and went up to the mainland of Asia. And right there at, uh, they came to Perga in Pamphylia. That Pamphylia was the region just north of that island. And Perga was the city there. It says, and John departing from them returned to Jerusalem. So John Mark left Saul and Barnabas there. 
But when they had de- but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia, which is even a little further north, and went up t- and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So the people there at that synagogue, the rulers of that synagogue, said, if you have anything for us, you know, they, this was a, a common courtesy to people traveling of, of like faith, especially, to ask them for, if they have some encouraging word to say to the congregation there. He, he says, you men, men and brethren, have, do you have something important for us to hear? You have a word of exhortation for the people. You have some encouraging thing to say to us. Now is the time to say it. Then Paul stood up and beckoning with his hand said, Men of Israel and ye that fear God, give attendance. Listen, listen to me. I have something important to say. The God of this people of Israel chose our fathers and exalted the people when they dwelt as strangers in the land of Egypt and with an high arm brought, the, brought them out of it. That is with power. A high arm. The indication here is he, he brought them out in a mighty way. And about the time of 40 years suffered their manners in the wilderness. Their uh, they're being unthankful for what God had done in bringing them out of slavery in Egypt. So he's giving here a summary of the history of, of, the, of Israel. Much, much as was done earlier by many of the Christians. Stephen did this, and he was stoned to death for it, okay? Verse 19, And when, they, when he had destroyed seven nations in the land of Canaan, he de- divided their land to them by lot. And after that he gave unto them judges about the space of 450 years, until Samuel the prophet. And afterward, they desired a king, and God gave them Saul, the son of Sis, a man of the tribe of Benjamin, by the space of 40 years. So he's giving this record of what, what took place and in what order, which when he had, and when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom he also gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill all my will. Wow, for God to say that of any man, that is quite a tribute. What better tribute could a man have but to have them, have God say he's a man after my own heart who will do what I say to do. 
as opposed, now he didn't say as opposed to what Saul did, but that was obvious. They didn't, he didn't have to say that. Of this man's seed, David, of this man's seed hath God, according to his promise, raised unto Israel a savior, Jesus. When John had first preached before his coming, the baptism of repentance to all the people of Israel. So he says, God sent John before the people to preach repentance. And that this Jesus was to follow after and to be a savior to the, to the nation of Israel. And he said, it's of the seed of David. He said, this is one of David's offspring. And as John fulfilled his course, he said, whom think ye that I am? Am I not? I am not he. He says, I'm, I'm not the one that scripture speaks of. I'm not this chosen one of Israel, the Messiah that they were looking for. But behold, there cometh one after me whose shoes whose shoes of his feet I am not worthy to lose. He says, I, I'm not worthy to even come near to him. Not, I can't, his worth is far beyond what I am. I'm not worthy to even be in his presence, basically. You know, when someone came in from a journey, the lowest person in the household, the lowest servant, or the youngest child, would come and take their sandals off and wash their feet for them. He's, and John says, I'm not even worthy to loosen his sandals. He says, I'm, I'm not worthy at all compared with him. Verse 26, he goes on, he says, Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God, to you is the word of this salvation sent. He said, you are the beneficiaries. You are hearing the word of God. Here's that word, word again, logos, the message that God has sent from heaven by this person, Jesus. You of the stock of Abraham and those of you who fear God, to you this word of salvation is sent. For they that dwell at Jerusalem and their rulers, because they knew him not, nor yet the voices of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath day, they have fulfilled them in condemning him. He said, if they had understood that this man Jesus was the Messiah, they may not have condemned him to death. But because they didn't hear the prophets, didn't listen, didn't pay attention to what God was saying to them, they condemned him to death. And though they found no cause of death in him, yet desired they, Pilate, that he should be slain. And when they had fulfilled all that was written of him, they took him down from the tree, that took him down off of that Roman cross, and laid him in a sepulcher. He died. Jesus, the Messiah that was sent to them, was killed by them through the Roman government. 
but God raised him from the dead. God said, no, you don't. You can't do this. You can't kill the Son of God. You can't kill the one that I have chosen. I'm the giver of life. And he raised him up from the dead. And he was seen many days of them which came up with him from Galilee to Jerusalem, who are his witnesses unto the people. And we declare unto you glad tidings, how that the promise which was made unto the fathers, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it also is written in the second psalm. Now here he starts, when he mentions the second psalm, he starts quoting to these Jews scriptures that they know. They know well. The second psalm, right where the book of Psalms starts. And he starts quoting, he quotes from from Psalms a couple of times and from Isaiah, from uh, Isaiah twice and from uh, Habakkuk. He, he starts quoting to these Jews the scriptures that they know by heart. So he says, and concerning that he raised him up from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. He said on this wise, I will give you the sure mercies of David. This is quoting from Isaiah 35, 35.3. No, it's 55.3. I'm sorry. And he says, Therefore, he saith in another psalm, Thou shalt not suffer thine holy one to see corruption. This is Psalm 16, verse 10. So again, he's quoting scriptures that they know. He says, For David, after he had served his own generation, in other words, when he was alive, he served as their king. And by the will of God fell on sleep and was laid to, unto his fathers and saw corruption. David died. He said he was the, a man after God's own heart, but he died. He served his nation well during his time, but he died. But he whom God raised again saw no corruption. This is Jesus. Jesus did not see corruption. His body didn't rot in the grave. God saw to it. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. That is what the law could not do. But God said that through this man, through his action, you can be forgiven of your sin. The forgiveness of sin. That was the one thing that the law couldn't do. They had to keep making offerings year after year to put, put those offerings forward one more year. But it, they couldn't be forgiven. But Jesus was able to forgive sins. This man that God raised from the dead uh, this is, verse 38 here is a very important verse. Be it known to you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man is preached unto you the forgiveness of sin. 
and by him all that believe are justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. Said this man is greater than Moses, greater than the law that was given there on Mount Sinai. And then he, now this is quoting again from Isaiah chapter 53, verse 11. But verse 40 goes on, he says, Beware, therefore, lest that come upon you which was spoken of in the prophets. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder and perish, for I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall not, ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. You wouldn't believe this. But he's quoting right out of the book of Habakkuk here. This is Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5. He says, you wouldn't believe what I'm going to do. God said this through Habakkuk. He said, you wouldn't believe it if somebody told it to you. But he, this is a warning. He says, beware. Therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. He says, there's a warning in the prophets. I want you to be careful. You be sure what you do with this man, Jesus, because this is the work of God. Behold, ye despisers, and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. This is something more than anyone could have even imagined. We can read books by people who write novels, and they have all kinds of imaginative tales, but nothing like this. Nothing like this. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought that these words might be preached unto them the next Sabbath. Now, I read a couple of different uh, translations here, and one says that it was the Jews who wanted them to come back again and, and tell them these same words again. To, they encouraged them, these people here in... Now, they were, they were in Antioch of Basidia now. Now, this is uh, not the same Antioch that they left to begin with. There are two Antiochs. There's the Antioch near Seleucia, there on the coast, and the one north of there, up in Asia, Antioch of Pisidia. Pisidia was a, another Roman um, territory, or uh, I'm not sure what they called it in that time, but it was a an area of the country. And this is a different Antioch than where they started from. Uh, so the it says the Gentiles, but it will read on here. He says verse in forty three, now when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. So Paul and Barnabas encouraged these Jews to follow in, in the grace of God, not the law, but under grace, 
not under the Old Testament, but to follow God because of his grace. This wondrous message, this wondrous work that God had done in restoring Jesus to life. He is the Savior, the Messiah. He's the one we've been looking for. And he's here. He's, he's come and the message of salvation is brought to you through him. And I'm sure what we have here recorded is a very short uh, abbreviation of all the things that were said, all of the laws, all of the words of the prophet were, they preached out of the Old Testament, Jesus Christ, and all of the places where the Messiah was referred to. And these Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who spoke to them and persuaded them to continue in the grace of God, the mercy of God. He says, you you stick with this. This is the right way. This is God's will for you. And then look at verse 44. This is exciting. And the next Sabbath day came almost the whole city together to hear the logos, the word of God. They want to, all the city wanted to hear this message. Not just the Jews. It wasn't just that synagogue. They had to had to find a bigger place to meet, I'm sure. Because the whole city came together, Jews and Gentiles, both. They all wanted to hear the word of God. This message of salvation that was brought to the, to the Jews. So they came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy jealousy and spake against these things which were spoken by Paul contradicting and blaspheming they were upset here they were preaching every Sabbath day and nobody came together like this <laughs> they didn't get such an audience but salvation through the Messiah did not just to the Jews either wasn't just the Jews, but the whole city came together. They all wanted to hear the word of salvation. Wouldn't that be exciting if we could get people riled up like that and eager to hear God's word? Wow. But they came together and the Jews were jealous. And they contradicted the things that Paul and Barnabas were saying, even to the point of blaspheming God. This is, I mean, they were upset. Here we've worked all these years and, and we've, we're, the, we're the nation that God came to first. But now God has changed the plan on us and they're upset. And they're even blaspheming God. Blaming God for who knows what. Verse 46. Then Paul and Barnabas Wax bold and said it was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you but seeing you put it from you and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life lo we turn to the Gentiles 
This is a turning point in Paul's ministry. He says, you've already condemned yourself by your own actions, by your own sin. And because of that, you've judged yourselves unworthy of everlasting life. This was what God was offering, everlasting life. Or by Jesus, this one, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But they said we're un- they judged themselves unworthy of everlasting life. And he says, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. We're turning away from you Jews who are, are so proud of what you've got, of who you are, of who you think you are. Let's put it that way. And we're going to turn to the Gentiles. And they will hear is the inference here. For so hath the Lord commanded us. He said, God is the one that commanded us to bring it to you first. And then, if you don't receive it, take it to the Gentiles. Saying, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for a salvation under the ends of the earth. Now this came out of Scripture too. This is in Isaiah chapter 49, verse 6, if you want to look at that one. That is what, this is what they were quoting. A light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. This is what the Jews were supposed to do. They were supposed to tell about God and the mercy of God and the love of God. And they failed. And they turned against God even here. And he says, we're going to the Gentiles now. And this is the command of God. And so he says, For so hath the Lord commanded us, saying, and here's where the quote starts, I have set thee to be a light of the Gentiles, that thou shouldest be for salvation unto the ends of the earth. This was speaking about Jesus. That is the quotation. Back, back there, in Isaiah, and the Jews recognized that as God's word. I'm sure they did. They had no question about it. And when the Gentiles heard this, they were glad and glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as were ordained to eternal life believed. The Gentiles were quick to receive this. You know, the Jews had put the Gentiles down for a long time but they were eager to receive the message of Jesus Christ. And the word of the Lord was published throughout all the region. But the Jews stirred up the devout and honorable women and the chief men of the city and raised persecution against Paul and Barnabas and expelled them out of their coast. They ran them out of town, basically. They said, you've, you people that are, you're important people, you, you get rid of them. We, we don't want them here. These were the leaders of the Jews that stirred them up to this. But many people received Jesus Christ. Many of those Gentiles. 
and many of the Jews too. Even of, you know, the leaders of the Jews were adamant that they get rid of these people. These are, they're stirring up trouble. They're making, uh, they're saying that God has changed his mind. Well, God did. But this was God's plan from the beginning because it was even back in Habakkuk's day when Habakkuk told them about Jesus. And it was in Isaiah's day and in David's day. Yes, all throughout they had prophesied of Jesus and now he had come. He was here and he was offered for salvation to them who would receive by faith, believe in Jesus Christ, not on the Old Testament law and the thou shalt and thou shalt not. And this, you know, that was good for its day, but it only put their sins off for a time. He brought salvation, freedom from their sins, to be forgiven of sins. That's really what the word salvation means, is deliverance. Yes, deliverance. He brought that deliverance, absolutely. But Saul and Barnabas says, but they shook off the dust of their feet against them and came to Iconium. So they left the city of their, at, at Antioch of Pisidia, and they went to Iconium, another city. Uh, Tyler? I was going to say, this is, here you see the same thing that we said we could set ourselves up for today as the worst people, and not, not proclaim it's not being people to come that have a desire to come and learn the Lord. Yes. Yes. So the, the warning there was was, hey, you, you know, you have this possibility, so do they. <laughs> yes, yes. Well, he gave that warning back here, beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of in the prophets. Amen. Yeah, we, that, that warning isn't just to the Jews. That's right here in the New Testament. <laughs> it's the same warning. It's the same warning. Behold, you despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which ye shall in no wise believe, though a man declare it unto you. There are many people who hear the word of God and say, nah, I can't, that's not for me. I, I, can't, I, I can't believe that stuff. They do it to their own hurt. But we are called upon to declare it to them, first of all. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. And they departed to Iconium. And it went to somebody else. So, an exciting beginning to the Apostle Paul's journeys. And this was just the first of his missionary journeys. He went there with, with Barnabas. But it wasn't the last. God had called him on the road to Damascus. 
and preached to him and taught him. Jesus taught him personally in Arabia. And, and he was instructed that he was going to be sent to the Gentiles. He being a Jew was going to be sent to the Gentiles. You know, that's quite a, that's almost a condemnation for a Jew. Does you send me to preach to the Gentiles? What if they actually believed? <laughs> Where'd we hear that before? You know, we, we've heard of others who didn't want to go and preach because they might believe. But here they have had the gospel, the good news of salvation preached to them. And the Gentiles believed, and many of the Jews did too. It wasn't as though none of the Jews believed, because many of them did. But the leaders were upset because these two men, Saul and Barnabas, came here and upset their apple cart, so to speak. They had all their ducks in a row as far as they saw it. But the Messiah changed all that. The Messiah that had been preached, that they had even read those scriptures, but they didn't heed them, didn't listen to them, weren't ready when the Messiah came. And they murdered him instead. They sentenced him to death. But in doing so, they fulfilled the scriptures and made all that had been prophesied, they nailed it down for them. Unwittingly, they, they said, we're going to kill him. And they did. And God raised him to life again. He says, no, you don't. <laughs> Not this one. This is the Messiah. This is the one I prophesied. This is that word that you wouldn't have believed if somebody had told you. Well, now God has told them. And they're still unbelieving. But many did believe, and those were blessed. We have been become the beneficiary of that also. The beneficiary of God's largesse, his love, his care, his infinite grace to those who will believe. It's only that you believe, and that's what we're called on to do. All right, that's a, that's a message this morning. Only believe. Only believe. That's a good song, too, by the way. Maybe we'll sing that one. All things are possible. Only believe. What is that? Three twenty seven, I think. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Luke chapter 22. We know that the 
The Lord's Supper is an important observance uh, given to the church. But it is always important for us to understand exactly why we do these things. Um, And Luke chapter 22 kind of establishes some context here for what, what the Lord's Supper is and of course, we've covered this in the past couple of Sundays, but I feel it's apt for us to just re- just to go over this. So Luke chapter 22, we'll start in verse 7 there. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, Where wilt thou that we prepare? we prepare? And he said unto them, Behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you, bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house wherein he entereth in, and ye shall say unto the good man of the house, The master saith unto thee, Where is the guest chamber, where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? And he shall shew you a large upper room, furnished there, make ready. And they went and found, as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them, With desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. So here we know this was the observance of the Passover. And of course, according to Jewish custom, they would take the Passover lamb and the Passover meal. We know it was an observance uh, um, to memorialize the deliverance of the firstborn from being killed and the Passover as, as the Lord passed over Egypt there. And it was also to be making preparation for their subsequent flight out of Egypt into the promised land. And we know there, according to the reading there over in the Old Testament, the happenings that transpired there and just how difficult that journey was. So it was only fitting that they would be spiritually prepared for service. They were all to eat dressed and girded and had their sandals on. They prepared the Passover lamb. They cooked it, all of it, and they ate it as it was because they were going to make flight after this happened because the Egyptians would be mourning their firstborn. So it kind of, God gave them an opportunity through this way to escape more easily. So in the same way, the Lord is the sacrificial lamb. Scripture bears that out. So that he might be able to deliver a people for his purpose. To follow after him by faith. This is why we now observe the Lord's Supper as it is this day. That we do so remembering the sacrifice of our Lord. And the covering of our sins that we might be able to partake in his kingdom. Through service. Let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11.
1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 18. That's where we'll start. It says, from first of all, when you come together in the church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and I partly believe it. There must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be made manifest among you. When you come together, therefore, in one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, every one taketh before his other, before other his own supper. And one is hungry, and another is drunken. And what have ye not houses to eat and drink in, or despise ye the church of God, and shame them that have not? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. The church at Corinth here was being warned that the Lord's Supper was something to be taken quite seriously. Of course, you see here some didn't have and others had, so one would come hungry and another one would come drunken because he had eaten his fill. The admonition here was for us to be careful how we observe this particular thing in the Lord's service. It's not something to be observed haphazardly or to be taken lightly, but one of remembrance and reflection and renewal of our fidelity to God in Christ. So as not to forget our service to God made possible through Christ's life offering that we might partake of a new and living way. This time I'll have Brother Tony and Brother Ed come forward. I'll have one more reading before we... Well, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, of course the same passage here and 27th verse he says wherefore whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink of this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of, of the Lord but let a man examine himself and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup for he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself not discerning the Lord's body for this cause, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord, that we should not be condemned with the world. Wherefore, my brethren, when we come together to eat, tarry one for another. And if any man hunger, let him eat at home, that ye come not together unto condemnation, and the rest will I set in order when I come. So as the scripture indicates here, the Lord's Supper is a solemn assembly, one to be carried out with reverence and respect to God. And again, self-examination of oneself through searching and discerning against the scripture what our actions that we, can, that we do align with the Lord's that we might endure until the coming of Christ. This is what we do as an observance to the Lord. Um, this time, y'all will come up. <clears throat> uh, Brother Tony, would you 
lead a word of prayer for us. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to come to your house and thank you for this ordinance that we're partaking today and that we might each uh, uh, look at our own hearts and examine our supplies and agree that we would uh, be uh, <coughs> acceptable to you, Lord, and pray that you continue to uh, bless this church and not be the White House in this community, be with those that are sick, those that are not able to be here today for whatever reason and bring them back to us. Miss once again, Lord, pray that you be uh, with each of us as we go through this week, that you watch over us and, and protect us and guide us in the way you have us to go. May you continue to be with the missionaries and they live in the foreign fields, be with the uh, other churches that are throughout the world that are sending your truth, that you be with them and encourage them. We ask this all in Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Amen. And when he had given thanks, he, <clears throat> excuse me, he break it and said, take eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Let's just go to them. Yeah, yeah. I think that's better. And after the same manner also he took the cup, and when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. Brother Ed, would you say a blessing? Our kind and loving Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to remember the blood that was shed for us. We thank you for putting your body your son's body on that cross, allowing these prophecies to be fulfilled and to make possible our salvation. We thank you for the beauty of what you have done. Help us to be more thankful each day. Help us to draw closer to you and to follow in the ways that you have appointed for us that we might take this 
salvation to the world about us. Forgive us, Lord, where we fall short of that. Help us to draw closer to you. We ask, Lord, that you would be with each of our hearts and help us to to grow and to, to be the people that you would have us to be. Bless us, Lord, now with your presence, for we ask these things in Jesus' precious name. He said there as well. He said, Then this is the cup of the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as often as ye drink it in remembrance of me. In Mark chapter 14, verse 26. <clears throat> verse, starting in verse 23, it says, And he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they drank of it. And he said unto them, This is my blood of the New Testament, of which I have shed for many, Verily I say unto you, I will drink no more of the fruit of the vine until that day that I drink in the new, it new in the kingdom of God. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out into the Mount of Olives. And, uh, what is it? 35. 35. Brother Ed, I'm glad that you remembered that because I didn't think to write that down. And we'll all get our hymn books and turn to number 35. And as they followed teaching there, they sang as they went out. So we'll all stand to sing, and we'll be dismissed on the last verse. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love, the fellowship.
before our Father's throne, we pour our and prayers, our fears, our hopes, our aims, our one, our comforts, and our cares. We share our mutual woes, our mutual burdens bear, and often for each other flows the sympathizing tears. When we asunder part, it gives 